Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome you to Grace Reformed Baptist Church. And as I've said before, with absolute accuracy, the best church in Red Bank and probably around the world. Sorry, John MacArthur. Speaking of John MacArthur, there's two resources up here that I, I'm going to commend them to you like I do other books, but they're part of the sermon. So, no, I'm not going to go through this entire book. Um, we want, we're not that Puritan about having four-hour sermons, but great book, chock full of incredible information and exquisite detail. But there's also a smaller version called The Fundamentals of the Faith. I wish I had this when I first got saved. I did his spiritual boot camp back when we had cassette tapes. And as a forester up in the north woods of Maine, I, would, I was part of John MacArthur's lending library. I'd get five or six tapes a week, and I'd listen to them, send them back. He'd send me more. And it really was like a mini Bible college, Sunday school class driving around. Uh, no moose got saved, but I had a good foundation laid. Um, and I liked this book so much that I actually sent it to a friend of mine out in California last night for her 12-year-old daughter and for mom with the teacher's guide that has all the answers. So both are valuable where we have deep stuff, but then also the fundamentals. And with that, with that, I've got a, a Bible verse chock full sermon today. So you're going to want this handout. Everybody should have a handout. And they're in the bulletin and there's a pile on the back. That'll help you stay awake, please. I hope I stay awake during the sermon. We have youth choir practice right after church today and every Sunday through Easter. Is that it? One can hope. Um, I really missed you guys playing last week. It, uh, Caroline, you did a great job. Music major, she got that one note down really good with professionalism. And we're hoping that her tuition will allow her to use all the fingers. <laughs> but seriously, to have the music and to have the congregation singing. I was listening last week to you guys sing. It's not a performance. We're here to worship. And I sing, too. I just sing a little low, not to disrupt your worship. Um, but I'm glad you guys are back. You are a blessing to me. On the calendar, we have ladies' tea coming up. And if you've never been, not to the ladies' tea, but to the next thing, the, the Layton's Open House, it's wonderful. You'll see people in a different venue than dressed up and formal in church, plus Catherine really knows how to put together a good spread. I, I'm not sure if it's all Costco or Walmart, but it's really good. And the last thing is we're celebrating communion today, and we practice open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you do need to have repented and asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sin. Oh, here she comes. I was talking about you. Not about repenting and confessing sin, but about your open house. I'm trying to set a high standard, so you've got to do something beyond Costco this year. Okay, Greek goodies. So look at the rest of um, the bulletin insert. 
and we'll have a time to prepare our hearts for communion in a little bit. But let me um, let me move on. Come on up, Helen and Neil. I told them I wasn't going to ask them to come up, but I've got to get back on track. This we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Thank you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that at this joyous time of year we can focus on you, your advent. You are the light of the world, and I thank you that you've brought your light to our hearts, that you've redeemed our souls if we ask you to forgive our sins, that you give us hope for the future. As we look at the news channels and we see what's going on, and we might be dismayed, but we realize that from the beginning, Ever since Adam sinned, the world has been a hard place, but you have total control. You are sovereign God. You know the end from the beginning. You know our thoughts, and you control everything that your will will be accomplished. And I thank you that you have given us freedom in the United States of America today to worship you. I thank you for the love of this congregation for each other and for you and for your word. And I ask that would you help us to worship you today in spirit, in song, in the reading of scripture, in the, the preaching of your word, and especially as we take Holy Communion. And congregation, let's take a moment to examine our hearts Confess any sin. Jesus Christ's blood will wash you clean. And prepare our hearts for communion before Blake leads us with Lamb of God. Let's take our hymn books and let's remain seated and turn to number 261 as we think about these words that we'll sing, the Lamb of God. John 136 says, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. 261. Go to communion.
have Blake ask a blessing, just a reminder of how we do communion here. And if you came in late, you're welcome to partake if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and have confessed your sins, even ones you might have committed today on the way to church. But we're going to start on this side, walk up, and just work your way around. Get both elements. Go back to your seats, but wait until everybody has them, and then I will lead us as uh, we partake of both elements together as a body of Christ. Blake, would you ask the blessing? Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we thank you for this time of communion. Uh, Lord, we don't presume to come to your table, Lord, um, by our righteousness. Lord, you've told us they are nothing but filthy rags, Lord, but we come uh, by your mercy. And we are so thankful, Lord, for the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for our sins. And we just pray that you would bless this time of communion at your table. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is uh, from Paul's epistle to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the blood in the new covenant, in my blood. Excuse me, I messed that up. This, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The body of Christ. Broken for us in the blood of Christ, which watches, washes us as clean as snow. Well, let's stand and take our hymn books and let's turn to 186. Joy has dawned upon the world promised from creation. 186. The world was made flesh and dwelt among us. Infant holy, infant lowly, and she brought forth her firstborn and laid him in a manger. Luke 2 7. Infant holy, infant lowly, for his man. 
I'd like to share my favorite Advent Bible verse from 1 Timothy, actually. This, uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Sometimes in our Warren household, we call that the eight words of Christmas. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The scripture reading from today is in Luke chapter 1, which is 855 in our few Bibles. I like that uh, the reading for today includes the, uh, the introductory verses of Luke, as it's a useful reminder that he is a intentional and careful historian of the early days of Christianity, and not just a guy writing down the stories from his friends, but a keen awareness that after several centuries of the Holy Spirit's work of prophecy to write scripture uh, being silent, that something new is happening again with uh, after this Christmas story that we're going to read about today. So it's not, uh, the world might see this as a, the Gospels as some kind of big fish story where uh, let's assume the little one came first and then Luke and Matthew made up more things, and then John must have made up a whole bunch of other things, forgetting that uh, he was a very close friend of our Lord with insider information on all kinds of the close friends of Jesus. Uh, Luke's historical text is inspired uh, by the Spirit of God. Luke chapter 1, dedication to Theophilus. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught." In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, When his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Heavenly Father, as we sometimes sing that we love to tell the story, let us continue to be the people that uh, come together and love to hear uh, every aspect of the story, uh, starting from the Incarnation and Christmas uh, through all we know about your Son through Scripture and the good news of the Gospel. Uh, help us to have a joyful anticipation in our heart for our remembrance of Christmas and of the, the hope in us that you will come again. Help us to uh, joyfully give uh, in the offering today, and I pray that you would do what you promised to grow your church and be with your church uh, all over the world uh, until the end of the age. So we ask in 
the name of Christ. Amen. stand and take your handbooks once more and turn to 195. Luke 18, 16 says, let the little children come to me. Oh, come little children.
Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Amber and ladies. It's, it's such a privilege to sit up here and hear the music and the congregation. Uh, I might actually just sit up here the whole time. Well, last week, Wayne was out because he's sick. This week, he has a lingering cough. And after you hear my second sermon, you will probably up your prayers for his healing so he comes back. And, uh, let me open us up in prayer before we dive into a lot of scripture today. Father, I thank you for an open pulpit, for a clear gospel, for a loving church of brothers and sisters. I thank you for the music and the singing that tunes our hearts to the wonder of the God of glory assuming the humble estate of a child. What an incredible true story that has changed the world for eternity, has changed our lives for eternity. And would you help us this season to really share the reason for the season? more than family get-togethers and presents and beautiful lights. But give us opportunity, give us boldness to share with our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors, the truth about the light of the world that we celebrate today and this season. Please guide my words. May you bless this sermon and our worship of you through the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm following in our pastor's footsteps with a lot of pages of scripture and notes, and we'll see what I get through. If not, I can't say next week. It'll be a year from now. But um, Last week, we talked, or I talked, and hopefully you listened, about digging a strong foundation to withstand the storms of life with head, heart, and hands of hearing God's word, of believing God's word, and then doing God's word. And the scripture it was from was Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. There are two important aspects I want to draw our attention to. First is, today is the day of salvation. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this in Romans. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. 
As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Listen to this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the starting part. That's the most important aspect. But we just don't stop with today is the day of salvation. Today is also a day of service, of committing yourself to God to be his slave. That's what servant really means, doulos. It's translated properly as slave. And we do it not out of weariness or oppression, but we joyfully serve the God of heaven And in his service, there is great joy. You've heard of uh, one of my favorite verses. Uh, You you may copy it like I have, but Alex in 2415. It's from Joshua, but it it is a guiding verse for the Alexans. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That has guided us our entire marriage and even before our marriage. My wife and I are both committed to serving the Lord. And throughout all of it, with all the hardships, it's been a joy deep down. Never easy, but always joyful. The psalmist also talked about this. Psalm 84, you don't have to flip to any of these. These will all be familiar. Um, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow, a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. In certain times of the year, we have birds nesting up in that corner too. So they want to be close to the the altar Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And here's the verse. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Can you say amen to that like the psalmist? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. The focus today is after the solid foundation of building our lives on Jesus Christ, hearing and obeying his word. I want to continue, as you can tell from the little handout, we have the Two houses, one built on the rock, one on the sand. But then on the other side of the page is a house. And I want to focus on building our houses. 
and hopefully you'll follow that. I think it's a, a metaphor, at least it's an illustration. Um, from Psalm 127, you know this also. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen start, stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the enemies in the gate. And the key focus is, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. How are you building your spiritual house? The first part is laying a solid foundation to withstand the storms of life, and that's done by hearing, heeding, and doing God's word. But then there's more to life than just being saved and, and going to heaven. It's how can we have a solid life that, that is productive, that serves the Lord? And I think that if, if we start with the basics... If we use the Bible as the blueprint, we'll have great success. And I, I wrote down some basics. See if, see if these are basics for you, if you were going to build your house. And some of you have built a house recently. Foundation, check. Walls, check. Roof, check. Fridge, check. And there's a spiritual fridge that's very important. HVAC systems, check. Man cave, double check. Accent wall paint, check, check, check. Hang the family photos. Mm, I don't know. You know, we might argue which of these are essential. And depending on, I guess you could say your gender or your artistic ability, you might say, Accent wall is really key. You might say, a house without a man cave is, is not a house. It's just a garage. But I think you can f follow that we have to build solid walls. We have to have a roof. It's important to have the basics built together. We don't stop there. We like to decorate. We like to have the nice amenities. But... Consider if you had all the nice amenities, you've got your, your lounge chair, your, your big screen TV, your, your cookware, but you don't have a roof or walls and you're just on the curb. You're like, something's not right here. Oftentimes with Christians, we, we tend to forget the basics of God's word. We might go deep. And you've heard me say it before that we, we tend to be a deep church. We have a lot of well-educated people, a lot of Bible scholars, whether formally trained or informally. That's important. But it's also important to go back to the fundamentals. And you might say, I've got the fundamentals down. And I'm at the point where I'm going to go deep. Well, that's good. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to grow in the Lord. But think about if you wanted to disciple somebody and you started off saying, well, 
Let, let me delve, delve into the Ordo Salutis. And they're like, the Ordo Whatis? When I went to seminary, Paul, you, you did a good intro to Luke. I actually exclaimed out loud in seminary class when we got to the book of Acts. I thought, that's volume two? Luke wrote it? And the guy next to me is saying, shut up. You know, you, you look dumb. I'm like, I am dumb. I'm ignorant, too. And those are two separate things. And you can throw stupid in, too. I, I, I claim all of those, but... Many people are ignorant of the basics of the Bible. And if we lose track of what's important and focus solely on the details, we'll get into trouble. Now, here's a list of things that we may focus on. They're important, but are they fundamental? Who is the Antichrist? Used to be Gorbachev. Um... Elvis, John Lennon, you, you, you fill it in, and every generation has said, this is the Antichrist. And should we have a Sunday evening service or not? That has split many churches. The exact timing of the Lord's return. I think it'll be today. Or a day that ends in why. Should we have drums in church? Was the first miracle wine or grape juice? Do you tithe 10% on net or gross? What are our Sabbath activities? Should we have head coverings and greet each other with a holy kiss? Those are important issues, but they're secondary. This is why in the, the important aspects of our spiritual house, we need to have a fridge. Because some topics you just put in the fridge because they'll keep until later. And I think that's a good analogy to have when you, when you start to get lost on the details. You say, let me go back to the basics and I will leave some things very important but not essential if you just have a house that's decorated nicely and all the pictures are up there, but it's not built to building code, it will collapse or at least get out of plumb, and it's the same thing with our lives. As a forester, I was never lost in the woods. I had a compass. I had a map. I've been turned around three times all day, but I found my way out because I'm here. One time... I'm walking through the woods. I worked by myself, 100,000 acres. And I did a big circle. And I come back at 5 o'clock, and I look down on the ground, and I, look, I see an orange peel. I'm like, what person littered with dropping an orange peel? Then I realized I was that person because that's where I had lunch. I had spent four hours going in a big circle because I thought I didn't need my compass. I thought, I'm a forester. I, I, can, I can get out of the woods. I was lost as lost could be. Another time, I got lost, and they were waiting for me for an hour. And I tried to look at moss on the trees. Well, they are all mossy. I tried to find the sun. It was overcast and rainy. And I looked at my wristwatch with the, back when they had the dials, and I said, I read somewhere with Bradford Andrew that you could find your way out of the woods with your wristwatch. I got down on my hands and knees and looked for my footprints. 
None of those helped. I finally said, Lord, you've humbled me. I need your help. Please help me out of here. I took two steps, and I was on a painted trail. I walked out in 10 minutes. I get back to the pickup truck, and the crew that was waiting for me said, what took you so long? I said, I I had some things to do. I would never admit that I was lost as lost could be. As a forester, the fundamental is have a map and a compass. If you go flying, you want your airplane pilot to focus on flying the airplane, not what's being served in first class. Let me give you some others. We talked about the Ordo Salutis, the order of salvation. It's more important that you're saved than if you know what the correct order is. The correct hymnal, I don't have one up here. It's more important that we sing worship songs to God. The return of Christ, the exact timing. It's more important to have the hope that he's returning. How about the best translation of the Bible? That's important, but it's more important to read the Bible you have in your hand. To understand the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's more important to worship the triune God. To have a great sermon. It's more important to put your tithes and offerings in the offering plate, right? That's just to see if you're paying attention. That's a joke. Not a good one, but it's a joke. Let me suggest some fundamentals as you build your house of faith or to give yourself skills and training to help somebody else build their house of faith. Have you ever had somebody when you were a new believer come alongside you and disciple you? Raise your hand if somebody discipled you. Okay. What a blessing. Now raise your other hand if you're discipling somebody else. Could be your children. Pass on the Bible knowledge you have, and here are some fundamentals that might help you. We could, we could spend a whole month of Sundays going through the fundamentals. I just thought I'd pick out some. And I'd like you to use this bulletin insert to guide your thoughts, to take notes. There will be a test. Every day there will be a test. So, basically, I thought as I was driving around, I've been working on this for a long time because you always want to have a a sermon in case the pastor is sick or gets raptured. Um, But I thought, what are the fundamentals? And I'd say, well, there's five fundamentals. We've heard about that. It comes from the 1920s with a response against liberalism. And there's various historical aspects to it, whether it came out of Baptists or whether Presbyterians were coming up with 14 fundamentals for ordinance candidates. But it was a response to say, what do we believe? Because the church in America and Europe was becoming liberal, not believing in the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, things like that. So men got together and said, we need to lay down What must you believe to be a Christian? What do we hold as fundamental truths of the faith? We also have the five solas of the Reformation, and those are probably in our bulletin. They're all over our church. Uh, Some people wear T-shirts with them on it. The two commandments, one commission, one great commission, 
and one great church. So let's go through, and I'm going to zip through some scriptures here and see if you can fill in some of the blanks. The first one is, the, these are the five fundamentals I'm going to start with to see what time we have. We have the inspiration and inerrancy of Scripture. You might say, what verse comes to mind? Well, here's the verse that came to my mind. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Call that spiritual vocational training. If you want to have hands that serve God skillfully, study God's word. Ask the Lord, would you open this up to me, Lord? Show me truths from your word that I can put into practice right away. Another fundamental that it comes around in various forms is the deity of Christ. Was Jesus Christ truly the Son of God? One of our pastor's favorite verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's John 1.1. 1, 1. John's a very simple gospel that is so profound. There's a hymn for you musicians in Philippians chapter 2. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I think about friends and family members that have died, who have shaken their fist at God their entire life, that have rejected a call to repent and believe. They believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. They can't deny it because they're, they're confronted with him for eternity in hell. Whatever we think about the political system, the winds of change have always been here. We just get it live streamed 24-7 on the news cycle. God is still God. Jesus Christ is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we put our absolute trust in him regardless of the storms of life. But that's a fundamental. I grew up Roman Catholic. And becoming a Protestant was an interesting experience. The first time I went to a Protestant church as a believer, I sat in the right front pew. And I thought, where are the kneelers? Everybody's talking. Shh, the priest is going to come in. I didn't realize it was a Baptist church and people talk in church. And I would go to Sunday school and Protestants would debate God. Is God really strong? You know? And I thought, regardless of the, the work salvation justification by faith plus works that I was taught as a Catholic, I was taught that God is God, sovereign, supreme, the absolute ruler, loving, benevolent. But I have never had my faith in who God is ever shaken because I was taught at an early age that God created everything. 
just by speaking it. Protestants need to learn that, to have that deep in our hearts, that God is God, regardless of what liberal preachers would say, that God can't know the future, he just reacts, or, or God looked at who would accept him as Savior, so he chose him. You know, that's craziness. God is God. He knows the end from the beginning. Revelation, you know this about the deity of Jesus Christ. I am the Alpha, the beginning, and the Omega, the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Second fundamental is Jesus Christ is God. The deity of Christ is important. Interesting that we're talking about the next fundamental, the virgin birth. Henry brought that up last week that many liberals would say, oh, it's Alma, it's a young maiden. Well, Henry did make a mistake. He said if, if young maidens didn't have babies, we, there'd be no none of us around. Well, Elizabeth had a baby, right? A lot of old ladies are having babies, you know, 15, 16, up to whatever. So the virgin birth is another fundamental. Could God do that? Yes, he's God. He who spoke the universe in creation can say, Mary, you will be blessed. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a virgin. The virgin will conceive and give birth to his son and call him Emmanuel. The fourth fundamental, the substitutionary atonement work of Christ on the, the cross. A lot of people teach that he didn't die on the cross, that he just swooned. And he was revived in the tomb and his disciples spirited him away. A conspiracy. No, he, he died. We have eyewitnesses. But he was a substitute for us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. First Peter. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. And he goes on to say, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. The inerrant, inspired scripture talks about the deity of our Lord, his virgin birth, his work on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. We have the last book, the book of Revelation, where his return has been revealed to us, and it's a physical resurrection. That's what we celebrate here and the personal bodily return of Christ to the earth. In Acts, it's Luke, volume 2, I learned that. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That's the first historical example of a pre-moral majority political movement. The disciples wanted Israel politically to be restored right then and there. And many people left Jesus when he, he wasn't going to do that. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to Samaria 
and to Red Bank and to Chattanooga and to Rock Spring and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky where he was going when suddenly two men dressed like dressed in white like angels stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? That might have been a kind way of saying, you know, I can't even say it because this is recorded, but, you know, I can say, it. are you dumb? What are you looking at? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. My first church that I was discipled in, I call, yeah, Wayne's my pastor, but Larry Pawson is my pastor. He took me under his wing. He pastored me. He, he discipled me. He taught me these fundamentals. And his wife, Leslie, who's a dear friend, told me a time when they were doing an Easter play like this. And they actually had a guy dressed like Jesus with ropes and guys off stage pulling him up. He lost his sandal. One of the actors picked the sandals up and said, look, he gave us something to remember him by. But the guys pulling the rope up misjudged Jesus' weight. And they let him back down. Well, the actor also said, I've got something else to say to you. And I thought, well, it's not scriptural, but it made a point. I commend to you 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's often used at funerals, and it's the hope that we have. I do not fear death. I fear dying. Because I'm a wimp. You've heard me say it before. I want to die in one of Wayne's sermons. Just in the back, you think I'm praying, but I'm not there. I've been translated to heaven. That's the way I want to go. I don't want to go in one of my sermons preaching. I think that would be traumatic. Although you might say, well, we wouldn't mind. You know, you're talking a little bit too much. Paul says this, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This is going back to basics, back to fundamentals. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. 
Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. In the baptismal services, Wayne will often ask, what is your confession? And the candidate, I think, says, Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to have that same confession whenever we attend a funeral. We live in two worlds. We live in humanity with feet of clay on this earth where losing a loved one is heart-wrenching. But for the believer, death is not the end. The grave cannot hold any believer. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You may know that, but you may have a friend that needs to hear that. That's why we go back to the fundamentals, to get ourselves aligned correctly, to withstand these storms of life, and to have a house that is solidly built. I'm not going to go through the five solas in interest of time, so we'll move on. Hopefully, you've heard of this. There's two commandments. And I'm amazed at how people treated Jesus Christ back when he walked the earth. In Matthew 22, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Testing the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows our thoughts, who knows the heart of men. That's arrogance. And sometimes we do the same thing where we test God. Did you really say... Yeah, he really said, I don't understand all of it, but I believe it. If I understood everything in the Bible, one, I'd have an excellent seminary education, but two, that would make me God. I do not have the mind of God. I just know that he saved Andy, a wretched sinner, and he's been merciful and gracious to me for 40 years since then. But this... Expert in the law tested them. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let me ask you, church, do you love God? with every fiber of your being. With your mind, with your soul, with your heart, with your strength, as another gospel writer says. We should do that. Love God. But then look around. We have neighbors. We're brothers and sisters here. And we hopefully love each other. Or at least we tolerate some of us. But I know you love each other. I've been here a a while, and I've seen people come and go. I've seen people have conflict. I've seen people grow up, have babies, get married. And I, I know that we love each other. That's an incredible flavor of Grace Reformed Baptist Church. But we also have neighbors across the street or outside. And I would encourage you, this Christmas, to, to as you go about your daily activities, ask God to show you somebody that needs love. 
that maybe it's a plate of cookies where you put a little Bible verse. My wife does that when we lived in a neighborhood. I think you did it last year in our neighborhood here, our new neighborhood. She goes around and, and in her own non-threatening way, shares the love of Jesus Christ and some good treats. Guys, you may not be able to bake a cookie to save your life, but you can change a tire or put up a Christmas tree or do something for somebody that can't. I was driving home and crossed over the dam and I, I going through one of those roundabouts and I saw an old man next to a car with the, I think his hood was up. Well, I went around a couple of times just to make sure. And I, I, went, I pulled up to him. And this guy is on the side of the road, safe, side of the road with a flat tire and no lug wrench. And he didn't know how to use the jack. He was jacking up the sheet metal part of his car. So I was like, let, let me help you. He tried to give me $20. And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm doing this out of the love of Christ. Well, that's a lot better than, than driving around the traffic circle three times and shouting out, I'm praying for you. Well, sometimes love is where we put our hands to work. But it's just not using our hands. Use our mouths, too. Why are you doing this? I'm doing it because I'm a Christian, and I want to serve you. Do you know Jesus Christ? Can I tell you about him? That's a lot better than banging on a door wearing a little name tag and a suit and a white shirt riding bicycles and, and with a false book. Show people that you care by helping them and going out of our way. This Christmas season, there are a lot of lonely people. A lot of people are very sentimental at, at Christmas. A lot of people have lost, whether family members are lost, touched, they're new. Reach out. Say, you know, what are you doing for Christmas Eve? You know, and bless people that way. One of Gail's best friends got saved radically in California. And I think, if I remember right, she puts her Christmas tree up, I, I think, in September. She decorates for Christmas because in the Christmas season, somebody shared the gospel with her, and she got new life in a, in a dramatic way. We can serve God that way. In closing... I've got one church. We've had five fundamentals of the faith, five solas of the Reformation, two commandments, one great commission. I skipped over the great commission, but you know that. Go and make disciples. But one church. God has brought us together here in a special way. It's not by chance. And there's no such thing as chance. R.C. Sproul's got a good book on that. You're here by God's design. You're here to be ministered to. You're here to become a Christian. You're here to grow as a Christian. You're here to help other people. We're here to worship. All of those wrapped up together. You're here to give a smile to somebody. Think back to when you were raising your kids. Well, help the moms and dads who have kids. You know, just 
we're a family. We're a church. And I said, okay, GRBC, Grace Reformed Baptist Church. Growing in love is what I put in that blank. We're a special church here. Praise be to God. We have love for each other. We're also reformed. You'll notice something about us that we're solidly built on the Bible. We don't have a lot of fancy programs, rock and roll music, videos, skits, games. We're here to open up God's word, to have it clearly explained to us by Pastor Wayne, and then to live it out. We are a Reformation church. We're Baptist. We practice believer's baptism. It's not a ceremony. It's a commitment and a public declaration of our faith. These are going back to the fundamentals that I started with. It's just not to puff us up, but to say, these are the, the, the timbers, the, the two-by-fours, the sheetrock we build our spiritual house with. These fundamentals. And then Grace Reformed Baptist Church. Ecclesia. Ek. Ecclesia. Out of called. We're called out ones. We're gathered together into an assembly. I love coming to church. You know, I try to be serious. I'm serious when I open the Bible, but I have fun here. I'm saved. I was a wretch, and God looked down and saved me over 40 years ago, maybe 40. I'd have to look it up. But he's put me in a family of believers where I can worship God. And we're called out to be a family of worshiping believers. Do you love God? Are you awake enough to answer that? Do you love God? Yeah. Let's worship him. And I'm going to close this and give you a time to reflect on these fundamentals. You might come up with other ones. This is just getting the pump primed. But I encourage you, take time with the homework that's down there. Pick out your three guiding verses. Talk with your wife or your husband or your best friend. Talk to God and say, what should my guiding verses be? And I guarantee you that one of them at this time of the season should not be to buffet your body. Let's pray. Father, please take my stumbling words and sift out the chaff, keep the kernels of truth and apply those to our hearts. I do pray that you would watch over all of us that you would help us to be serious about knowing your word, to have a solid foundation built on hearing, believing, and doing the words of Jesus, but also help us to build that solid structure that our Christian life would be well-built and pleasing to you, inviting to others. Open our eyes this Christmas season to needy people and give us a word of grace shared with love, but also with the question of, do you know Jesus Christ? Would you like to receive him as your Lord and Savior even now? May this be a season of great blessing, of fruitfulness, of worship. And would you keep us growing together as a church? 
We ask that you would heal our pastor to bring him back quickly, protect he and his family. Please keep our church free from sickness too. Amen. I'll give you a minute while Amber plays to reflect. Do business with God today. bless you, we praise you, we give you thanks. Please watch over us as we leave this place after Jerry leads us and bring us back soon and safely. Amen. So what number is that? Take time to be homely. 587. 587. Let's all sing that. I, I really like that song. 587, let's all stand. Take time to be holy. be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him in all respect. And may you bear the fruit of good work and increase in the knowledge of God. Father, we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.